Hey folks, it's Mark, your host on My Labor Radio. You can find us on multiple podcast platforms, and this show is now part of the laborradionetwork.org. You can discover more than just us by visiting their website. The Labor Radio Network will help you find your next new favorite union podcast or radio show. A simple network of folks from across the nation. Working people keep raising their voices more and more each day and demanding better treatment from their workplaces and their elected officials. As you know, these voices don't get heard very much on the corporate-controlled media. But the 21st century's labor movement has a new way to get its message out there. And working people don't rely on traditional media gatekeepers. It's now the internet, so you can turn off your TV to get the real news. So that gets us to that one-stop shop. Just visit laborradionetwork.org. On the main page, you'll see a grid of show logos. Just click one, and the description and links pop up right there. It's worth going to visit this ever-growing Voices of Labor resource. Join us at laborradionetwork.org. highlighting the real people who make up our union, the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and grain millers. I'm Michelle Ellis, Director of Digital Media. I will bring the work of our union to you through monthly interviews with the BCTGM's hard-working leaders, organizers, and everyday members. This is the BCTGM Voices Project. In this episode, we follow up our previous conversation with International Secretary-Treasurer David Woods with worker perspective on the Nabisco strike from all five locations. Feel free to leave a solidarity message on whatever platform you've chosen to listen on today and share, share, share this recording to support the workers. With that, here are the voices of the Nabisco strike. Out of Portland, we have Cameron Taylor, who is the business agent for Local 364, and Mike Burlingham, who is the vice president at the local union. Both of you work in the plant, correct? Uh, no, um, Mike does. I, I'm uh, in the office. You're in the office. Okay, so Mike, what is your job description there? Uh, my current position is pest controller. Okay, and how, how long have you been working there? Uh, I've been in the plant for a total of 14 years. I have been the plant's pest controller for the last three. In Aurora, Colorado, we have Clifton Horton, the president and business manager of Local 26, 
and Rusty Lewis, who is the chief steward and an executive board member at Local 26 and also works in the Mondelez Nabisco plant as a replenisher, which means that he drives the forklift. Rusty, how long have you been working at that location? Almost 25 years. Okay. And Clifton, do you work in the Mondelez plant? No, I do not. No. Okay. So I have the East Central Region International Rep, Lisa Gregory, who has brought in Nathan Williams, who is a member of Local 358. Nathan, how long have you been working at, at Nabisco there in Richmond? Uh, 30 years. Then what does your job entail? I'm an oiler. Uh, basically, any machine that needs more oil in it, we put the oil in it. From Chicago, BCTGM rank and file organizer, Jared Cummings, and Yvette Hale, who is a member of Local One and a, a utility operator there at the bakery in Chicago. Oh, Yvette, how long have you been working in the plant? 23 years. And so when you say you're a utility operator, what does that mean? Well, basically, I do the hands-on day-to-day as in making sure that the product is getting packed and shipped out. Here we are in Norcross with Local 42, and we've got the local union's organizer, Melissa Morley, and the chief steward for Local 42, Edwin Martin Jr. Edwin, how long have you been working at this facility? I started in June of 1995, so 26 years. Okay, and then so we know that you're a route driver. What does that mean? Uh, route drivers, we normally start work around 12 midnight to like three in the morning, and we make a lot of early morning drops to a lot of Kroger's and Walmart's and good portion of uh, Georgia. We started this series by talking to our international secretary treasurer, David Woods, and he gave us a really good timeline about how the company has been sold over the years. You would have lived through this. What have you noticed as it's gone from Nabisco brands to now being owned by Kraft to then being turned into Mondelez? How have things changed? When I first came there, it was more of a family feel that everybody knew everybody. People did things together on a regular basis. We did a lot of events for the employees. We went to King's Dominion. Did a lot of nice things. We had things at parks and stuff. Uh, we had different leagues going. And you felt like a, a member. I mean, your name was, you know, who your name was. Now your name is your number. You're a number. That's all you are, basically. When I first started, it was like a family. People were happy. People would be almost at each other's throats about fighting for the weekend or even staying over for overtime because it was enjoyable. We would have fun. It was still the same way whenever we were bought by Kraft. But towards the end of Kraft, when we were getting ready to get bought by Mondelez, things were not the same anymore. Less and less people really wanted to be there for overtime. Some people, they retired out because they just didn't want to be there anymore. It became a real unhappy place. Mondelez took over in 2012, and it was shortly after we had renegotiated a new contract. Uh, so for the following four years, it was a bit of the status quo. Uh, in 2016, it, it became very clear that uh, Mondelez was going to be playing hardball with us. And so 
uh, things kind of took a turn inside of the bakery at that point. There was definitely a change in morale. Uh, the, there was a shift in how management was trying to lead. And uh, it, it's, it's been like that ever since. So for the last five years, the morale is different than what it used to be. The change I see is mostly profit-driven. It's like consolidating uh, the amount of trucks that we have and putting more on the trucks, you know, and it is requiring us to have extended long, longer period of days. So, you know, a normal work driver, we might have like 10, 12 stops a day. Now they extend some trips up to 18 stops a day. So when I started in 1997, it was a great company and, and um, you know, it was quality products, quality machinery, quality trucks, and, over the years, it's just gone downhill. Since Kraft spun us off into Mondelez, it's it's really gone downhill. And the product coming in is not the same. It, it doesn't look the same. It's beat up. Management's horrible. They, they can't even come to work. Uh, they want to work from home. You know, they, they say they want to meet the frontline workers, and they really don't. They don't want to know what we do. You know, they want to they be able to read off a piece of paper and, and tell you that's the way it's supposed to be done. But... You know, we all know that's not the real world. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it's gone downhill a lot. He had told me that in your location specifically, when he asked who the plant manager was, someone there was like, we don't even see her. I didn't, I, I didn't meet with the plant manager. I didn't even talk to the plant manager until she called up requesting for an extension on non-union temp workers. And uh, that's the first time I ever talked to her. If the management never comes out to talk to you and never gets to know you, then it almost makes it easier for them to just do whatever they want to. And that is the truth. I mean, we had a lot more uh, supervisors on the floor, a lot more managers. They was a lot more into the daily day, day process. Now, very few supervisors, very few managers. So you don't really have that communication with, with that leadership. And, it's mostly they leave it up to us to do everything, but at the same time, they treat us like crap. We have a lot of uh, turnover in management. I noticed in the last maybe five years, we've had three new MCLs. You know, that's like the branch managers when I had three. And it's okay. just, this is a turnover. And it's like, you really can't build any relationship. And that's my personal experience. In the past, when we had, well, I guess about 10 years ago, we had managers that you could actually talk to and you can resolve problems at the branch. But now these, the ones they've been bringing in the last five years, it's like they had to answer to uh, a person that's above them on any issue. You know, I don't care what it is, I gotta get back with you. I gotta refer this to this guy named Tom. You know, and that's, that's the problem. You can never get anything resolved right there at the branch very high turnover in management. I remember at one point, the front office, it was packed, it was full, bustling with lots of people. And as of now, it's maybe 20 to 25 people in the front office and out of the faces that can be pointed out and be remembered, it's maybe two to no more than four people. Everyone else is someone brand new. And every other week, someone's getting hired before two mark period, they're gone. I call the place a resume pit stop for management and supervisors. They come in for a little while, get their resume, 
looking pretty good, fill their contract out, and they're gone. And so there's no real contact really too much with the supervisors on a daily basis as far as knowing e each other. It's just, you know, you do this, and that's that. Well, some of the sticking points that we know in your negotiations at this point are this premium pay. They want to keep giving you overtime. They don't want to pay for it anymore. They want to take away your health benefits. Um, a lot of this um, disrespect from the management and the company overall. What are some of the issues that are most important to you personally? Uh, obviously, healthcare is huge. That's huge for all of us, you know. And, and the company's trying to divide the workers by a two-tiered system, and that, that's never going to work. It's just going to cause animosity towards towards the workers. You know, we're really not asking for a lot. We're just asking them not to take anything away. You know, leave our premium pay the way it is. You know, the, the company's making record profits. They had record sales in in our region last year. Uh, they told us that they actually gained shelf space in the stores because we were working all those hours getting that product to the stores. So they actually expanded their shelf space in the stores. You know, the company's not hurting, they're making record profits. So we're just asking them not to take anything from us. The biggest one is the alternative work uh, schedules. They say they're doing that for your benefit, you know, help improve your way of life. No, it's, it's all about them trying to put more money in their coffers. That's what it's all about. That would totally change everything how we operate now. We're used to a certain schedule. You know, you do your eight hours and you go home. You come in on the weekends, you get paid uh, premium pay for that as well as it should. They want to take away all of that. They want to take away all that. And at the same time, increase the health um, insurance. So you're going to take away, take away money as uh, far as the health insurance, but yet you're going to take away the ability for me to make money uh, to make up the difference. So uh, the alternative work schedule would be the worst thing that I think that right now that we could be dealing with. Can you explain what that is, the alternative work schedule? What are they asking for you to do? Basically, it's the 12, uh, 12 hours a day, work two days, three days on, you know, certain number of days off, that type of schedule. Um, and that's totally opposite from what we're doing. I mean, the way we operate, we work Monday through Friday and you come in on Saturday and Sunday or overtime. You put in your eight hours a day. Uh, and then if anything extra is overtime, which is well, it should be, but they want to go to 12 hour days. I mean, 12 hour days would change a whole lot of people's life. You're talking about uh, people that take care of their ch children. You're talking about the, um, some people that take care of their parents. I mean, yeah. a lot of things you don't really think about when you tell a person to go from eight hours a day to 12 hours a day. That totally changes a lot of people's lifestyle. Definitely working 12 hours a day is extremely hard. Yeah. Then they want you to basically work on an alternating work schedule. That doesn't work whenever you have a family. And just think, if your husband and your children are home on a Saturday and Sunday, but you're the only one going out to work, you still don't see them. So what's the point of having an alternating schedule? And by the time you finish working 12 hours in a day, they're either in bed or on their way to bed. So you still don't see them. And then for you to do all of that work and only get paid straight time, it's taking too much away from your family. It's not worth it. It really isn't worth it.
uh, we've already given concessions in the past in the form of lesser wages to maintain the benefits as far as health care and our pension. And uh, they, they stripped that pension back in 2018, and now they're coming after the medical. They're coming after our work days. They, they want us to work longer shifts. Uh, you know, they, they want to eliminate the premium pay by doing so, having the weekends uh, be part of a regular work week. The, these are things that we get our premium pay for because that's taken away from our personal lives and our families. So yeah. Yeah, that's important for us to hold on to. Well, well, how long have we been out? Week and two days? What is the vibe like down there on the strike line? Uh, the members are hanging, hanging tough. They're, uh, they're not willing to go back until the company gets off their concessionary proposals. Um, so they're strong, they're angry, and uh, they're sticking to it. You guys were the second location to go out on strike. Uh, what was it like going on strike the first day? Honestly, it was scary. I mean, I've never been a part of anything like this before. And, uh, you know, I get the call to round the guys up. We're, we're walking out and, you know, everyone had questions. We were all scared. And yeah. it's been difficult. It's been very difficult. Um, we've been on strike for quite a while now. We're on yeah. our fourth week. So it's tough. It's very tough. It's scary. I'm mad. I'm, I'm all of the emotions. You know, it, it, it takes a toll on you mentally and physically. You don't think that physically it would, but it does. It's powerful right now. I mean, everybody's yeah. on the same page. Everybody's enthusiastic. And it's not because they're happy to be out of work. That's not it. it, it it's just they're happy that we're all together. You know, yeah. we're fighting the same problem. Nobody wants to be out there. But if we're going to be out there, we're going to be out there strong. And we're going to be out there for everybody. And that's what we're doing. And I mean, the enthusiasm is great. It's that's great. good. What was it like first walking out on Thursday? Were you there that day? Yes, I was. When they sent the text through saying that it's time for us to go, it was like everyone had to sit, hold their breath. Everyone's looking around at everyone because, yeah, we're scared. We're terrified because as long as we've been there, we've never had to face this as an us outright walking out on a strike. We've always come to a contract resolution and yeah, we might have to give up maybe a point of this or a point of that, but they always tried to replace it with something that was somewhat comparable. But once everybody started hitting that clock, punching and walking out, it was definitely strength and prayer and numbers. You felt it, yeah. It was quite a sight to see actually. We were there probably about 20 minutes to a half an hour before they started coming out. And when they started coming out, it was literally like an army of people just hit the streets and wow. they hit the ground running, literally. Like immediately came over, grabbed the signs, and yeah. they just took up yeah. the entire block right there. It Amazing. was pretty crazy. Yvette, are you on social media, Facebook? Yes, I am. I've actually posted a couple of my videos to the Portland page. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was going to say, well, then you know the other locations, they were waiting for you, and they were very excited. Oh, I no, they were more like angry with us because, <laughs> where, where, Chicago? Well, we could not step until we were given the go to walk and step. Trust me, brothers and sisters, we were definitely ready. We just had to wait for our turn. Yeah. <laughs> well, I can tell you from 
the perspective of the international, you know, we've been um, fielding all of the the press requests and things like that. And there is something about the way that this is going, where every plant that next walks out, you know, they're all like, wait, what's going on? It is, it is creating awareness that maybe couldn't have been done otherwise. So we know why you guys are out there now. We also know it was Sunday night going into Monday. You guys went on strike in the middle of the night. Yes. Yes, we did. What was that like? Uh, it, was, it was a great feeling because we had an emergency meeting. I talked to the international rep and uh, David last Saturday, and we decided to have an emergency meeting, union meeting Sunday at noon. And we got a good turnout and everybody, we came together and, and we thought that Sunday night would be the best time to go ahead and, and push forward with this because we knew that that's the start of the week and they're we're going to catch them totally off guard. You know, they're not going to expect that we were um, on strike. It worked out perfect so far. You know, it really did. It got their attention. Uh, yeah. So what I heard was that the product is ready to go. It's time to put it on the trucks and you're just not. You're just not. Yeah, we stayed outside. We didn't get in. Nobody, no driver got in trucks or nothing. And those trucks actually set the whole Monday. Wow. Not one truck left, left the building. Well, I'm seeing a lot of community support, Jobs with Justice, um, the Oregon AFL-CIO. It looks like you're having another rally on Saturday. Yeah, we're getting great support from the community. The, uh, the unions that are also in the bakery have all gone out with us, the operating engineers, the machinists, the uh, okay. electricians, and the Teamsters. Everybody walked with us. It's an incredible show of support. Um, I think all the all the unions in that bakery are fed up with this company. Well, Cameron, I know that you don't do social media. Right. Um, there's a lot of activity around this situation. It's very cool how the workers I'm in your local 364 group. So I'm seeing a lot of the posts going on in there. I like how you're keeping the solidarity there on the ground and also through this tool. Yours, I know, is one of the smaller locations. You don't have these great big crowds. I'm sure that has really lent to a lot of the challenges that you guys have seen. Getting a lot of good support. So, you know, other unions have come out and been great for us, and, and, and we've needed that because we don't have the members. The Postal Service Union's been out almost every day. We got the sheet metal workers. CW. Yeah, so, you know, we, we've had a lot of good support. Uh, a lot of people bringing us water and snacks and different things like that that, that we need, but... Just having the bodies out here to help uh, support the picket line is, is what we really needed. And, and we're getting a lot of good support for that. So I think union members probably on the whole really understand how much that means when you're doing something like this. Uh, but anybody listening who doesn't understand, I mean, especially in your case, right. it's it means a lot to have that behind you. Yeah, the energy has been through the roof and uh I've been trying to post videos of all the dance parties we've been having, the fish fries we've been having. Oh my um, gosh. The, the community support has been off the charts too. I mean, I have a, a little list and this doesn't cover everyone that stopped out. All of our allies are showing up in force. Our union brothers and sisters from all unions. We've had the IBW 666. They've been repairing our signs. They've been hanging out for hours. AFG came out yesterday. Teamsters, industrial workers of the world. 
AFL-CIO came out yesterday and walked, um, CWA, Food Not Bombs, and the Henrico Teachers Union, just to name okay. a few. And that's just the beginning of the list. So that's we've great. been getting donations regularly. I mean, Richmond is really stepping up as a community as well. Good. So, yeah. Um, I'm curious how many of the people out there are paying attention to the social media. They love it. Everyone's okay. paying attention. They're trying to share as much as they can. They're posting as much as they can. You know, they understand okay. the importance and the impact of that. We need to get our, our message out there, you know, yeah. building up that support because it seems to really be growing here in the last few days. I was um, texting with Karina last night. She's our communications director here at the International. And I was like, I just can't keep up with the BCTGM news cycle now. What I appreciate about it is that it is a lot of worker driven stuff. And then she had responded to me and said the video that you posted last night of the ladies dancing in the street uh -huh. made her whole week. <laughs> yeah, it made a lot of people's week. Everyone's spirits are definitely high. We've had postal workers, uh, drivers for DHL, the teachers union. We've even had, had just have people from the neighborhood to, that have lived in the neighborhood, as they say, we've been smelling this forever since we've lived here, coming by, supporting, supporting us, dropping water, dropping burgers, and anything that, or even asking, what is it that we need? Yeah, Everybody's been, been very supportive of us. And right. We definitely it's, thank them. A lot of people are <laughs> actually stopping by to figure out why, what the issues are. They'll, they'll actually pull over and ask, why are you out and what are the issues? What's going on? Okay. So that's great. Sports the workers, I uh, think, is just the uh, none of us have experienced anything like this before. So it's like the kind of uncertainty about everything. But I think what's happened is everybody reassuring each other, and we're getting other people that's coming from other unions that coming in, stopping by, talking with us, uh, holding up signs, and just giving us this encouragement, letting them know that the community it's behind us and they're supporting us. And I think that's changing some of the guys that were just kind of like little in a shell, nanny smiling, nanny upbeat. And all. Yeah. And I think that's, that's all we need. We just lost the community behind us and people yeah. supporting us to let them know that, hey, we believe in what y'all doing is right. Good. Yeah, I th it's hard when it, it's a facility like yours. You guys had a lot fewer people than Richmond and- Yeah, so true. Chicago. So I'm, I, I am sure it's very different. I did see that the Atlanta DSA had stopped by. They took some really good pictures that I saw on social media. Are you want to shout out some of the other people that have come by from when you say other unions, which one? It's been happening so fast and they've been yeah. so nice and it's hard. I know this one guy named Michael. I can't think of the last name. He came by, took some pictures. Channel two came by, uh, oh and ran a story and, and um, they had us on news and they took okay. some pictures and had some audio video. And uh, it's just been a lot of people from other unions. I can't tell you their names, but it, they've been real supportive. I mean, we had some people stop by a couple of days ago. I can't tell you what union they was involved in, but they came out, just got off work, working nights, sat out there two hours, holding That's signs, great. talking and communicating. And when I left to come up here from early this morning, the same one of the ladies was just pulling up, you know, coming out there support us again today. That's so good. it's been, I mean, it's been great. And we really appreciate all the support and that we've been receiving from everybody. I mean, good. we really do appreciate it. That's all I really have in the way of questions today. If there's anything else you want to make sure that they hear before I end. Well, 
<laughs> we definitely stepped out and walked on it and lots of heads bowed and prayers going forward that the company does the right thing by us. The CEO sits at the top and us, we're the foundation. You have nothing without the foundation. Be right, do right to us. A fair contract, no concessions, no crumbs. I mean, this is for us, you know, we stand in solidarity with our brothers and sisters in Chicago, Richmond, Atlanta, and Portland. We're, we're here. We're going to keep fighting the fight until we're told not to anymore, you know, or we resolve this one way or another. Obviously, nobody wins in a strike. That was the message from day one is that uh, the last alternative is to strike. We wanted a fair contract, and the company didn't want to do that. So that's why we're here today. I will say this, the people are in it for the long haul. Hopefully the long haul won't be long, but we're in it for the long haul. People are committed and we're going to be there. Yeah, stay strong, everybody. Shout out to Portland. Shout out to Aurora. Everybody, we're all in this together. Uh, just uh, just so that people understand, you know, we're, we're not out um, fighting for huge gains. We're out fighting to keep what we already negotiated. So... That's, that's our basic message. And the best way that you can help us out right now is avoid buying Nabisco products while we were out on strike. And when we return to work, check the label, turn the package over, see where your food's being made and support uh, everything that's being made in the USA. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? They say in Harlan County, there are no neutrals there. You'll either be a union man or a thug for J.H. Blair. Which side are you on, boys? Which side are you on? Son, he'll be with you, fellow workers, until this battle's won. Tell me which side are you on? Which side are you on? Sing it! Which side are you on? Which side are you on? Oh, workers, can you stand it? this content valuable please consider sharing it on your own social media pages and be sure to tag us we are bctgm on facebook twitter and instagram for more on the activities of the bctgm go to bctgm.org <laughs>